If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. We, uh, I think the last time we were here, it was last year about this time, I'm guessing, and, and a lot of crazy stuff was going on. We were, we were doing a ministry in Louisiana. They would brought us down there. We had seen uh, like 700 salvations in four months, and then they decided they realized that they had made a slight oversight in the budget and judiciary aspect of the ministry, and they fired me. And uh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. It's all right. See, that's why they put me in college ministry right there. I'm not supposed to say that kind of stuff. And, uh, and it was good. It was good. But we were, Crystal and I were sitting there, and, and, and we had these options. We had these people that had called and said, we're interested in having you come and preach and do these things. And, and we kept saying, Lord, where do you want us to go? Man, Texas is nice. Come on, somebody. Can I get a, a, good, a good Texas howl on that one? And, and we thought, man, Texas is nice. We love the Metroplex. We, loved, we just love everything about it. Why not? And, uh, and, and then I was thinking, man, my wife's going to kill me because I brought her all the way to South Louisiana. She's almost got eaten by gators like three times. I took her to the swamp. I mean, it was bad. And now we, we don't even have a job anymore. And, and I came in one day and I said, baby, I, I hate to tell you this, but God hadn't told us to leave yet. Please don't cut my throat when I'm asleep tonight. And, and she smiled at me. She said, you know, the Lord told me the exact same thing. And I said, whew, I'll live for another couple months. And, uh, and next thing you know, we find ourselves a church approach and said, listen, we heard about you. We know what's going on. And can we talk to you about coming and helping us out? There's this great university right here in our town. And we think that somebody like you might be able to make a great impact there. And I said, I don't know about that, but I would love to try so in August, we launched a uh, college ministry on the campus of Southeastern Louisiana University. Uh, we started in, in basically in July with uh, 10 people, 10 college-age kids from the church. Um, by the end of, November, uh, end of 1st of December, we had uh, averaged about 50 uh, showing up every Thursday night or every Tuesday night. And uh, we outgrew our room, so we asked them if we could go to a bigger room. They said, not on Tuesdays. You, 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 you're really just too big for us right here and right now. So we moved to Thursday nights, and last week I, we had 71 college kids show up. Like 16 salvations this semester alone. God has been doing crazy stuff, and uh, it has been awesome. We've got an intern program starting this summer where we think we're going to have to turn away some college kids just because we don't have enough room and that's a good problem to have. Amen? They said it couldn't be done. They said, Scott, you're crazy. No college ministry has ever succeeded on this campus. It is impossible. Give it up. Go do youth ministry somewhere. Go pastor. Go do something else. It's, it's just not going to work. But God. Come on, somebody. I feel like preaching this morning, this, tonight. I don't even know when it is. I got up at 5.30, drove 500 miles to be here. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Come on, somebody. I, I, you're not going to believe this, Pastor Eric. I was praying tonight. I was, I was just, I, my heart was heavy as I was getting ready to come over here. And I thought I was going to preach this great sermon that I had. And I thought, man, it's going to be a good sermon. And then, and then the Lord said, no, nah, I, I, I think you need to preach this one. And so I told my wife, and my wife always has her favorites, and she, I like her opinion because she's, you know, hot. And, uh, and, and I thought, well, which one do you like? And she goes, whatever you want to do. And I'm, I'm sitting there, and I was back and forth, and then, and then you got up and started transitioning, and I thought, what 
better sermon than Acts chapter 16 titled Breakthrough. Acts chapter 16, the title of this sermon is Breakthrough. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Acts chapter 16. I'm going to read you a few verses very quickly as we jump right in. And um, do we have the countdown timer so I can keep up because I am not? Thank you so much because I, uh, college kids don't sleep. They come to my house till midnight. Two weeks ago, I had 29 college kids show up for a Bible study at my house. I had them sitting on the kitchen counter. I had, them stand for, I, had, I, had, I had them stand for an hour and 15 minute Bible study because I couldn't place them anywhere. And, uh, and that's a funny story. Can I tell the rest of that story? Sure, why not? Thanks, honey. Um, so we started talking to Jesus about our problem because we were growing and we were growing in rooms and our house was growing. We had college kids coming over all the time. They were being discipled, getting filled with the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues. I'm going to have a football player this year playing in the NFL probably that got filled in my, in my living room four weeks ago, started praying in tongues right there, unashamed of it. Come on, somebody. I told him to make sure he remembers where to tithe to, right, Pastor Eric? I didn't tell him, but I did hint maybe a couple times. So we started talking to Jesus, and, and uh, for those of you who don't know, we, Crystal and I have had a, had a long, long road. Many of you have known us for many years. In fact, some of you were at our very wedding that happened right downtown, and it was fantastic. She was hot, and I had tricked her into marrying me before she realized the problem. And then she was stuck. I'm a great salesman. But about four years into our marriage, we found out we didn't like each other very much. Then we found out we didn't even like each other at all. Then we found out we actually hated each other. And, uh, and, and our marriage was over. We were ending. We were done. We, were leave, we left the ministry. We moved to Georgia. We, they were, the church was very gracious to be kind and not say anything. But the truth was, we were done. We were, it was just a matter of time before our marriage was over and we were divorcing. And, um, and God stepped in again. We lost a lot, uh, we sacrificed a lot, we've given up a lot. We lived in an 800 square foot house for, for two and a half years. And, and just, you know, we just finally found something inside of us that, you know, we want to love God again. And God, God brought us back into the ministry. It was wonderful. God is a redemption God, amen. Loves redemption. And so this year we started talking to Jesus. And, and, and in January, my entire family started fasting uh, my children started fasting. They said, we want to be a part of this. We started telling them what it was. They said, we want to do it. My son, for 21 days, chose not to eat a single sweet. Wouldn't even put syrup on his pancakes. It was not our choice. We did not tell him what to do. We, he said, I want to do this. And we said, okay. He said, I want to skip video games and I want to fast sweets. And he did them both for the entire 21 days. One of the things we were asking for was a bigger house. We need a bigger house. We lived in this little uh, townhome basically, uh, 1,200 square feet. We said, God, we need a bigger house, but you know, we're doing college ministry all the time. I'm not making as much money as I probably would like to, so you need to do something great. And um, in January, a gentleman walks up to us and says, hey, I've been hearing about what you're doing. I know what's going on, and I think you probably need me to buy you a house. Awesome. <laughs> what do you say to that? And uh, he said, we need to be over by the campus. The campus is the illustrious part of town. That's where the, the old money is. That's where the guys that only stay there for three months out of the year because they have a house in Colorado and a house in Florida and one in California. And a couple of them even around us have houses in Paris and other places. 
And he says, but we want, I want you there because that's where your ministry is and that's what's, what's, you're being most effective. So I want to help you buy a house. And um, on Friday, uh, we got the phone call to start packing. And yesterday at about 5.15 last night, we moved into a 3,000-square-foot house, two blocks from the campus that we are not paying for. Don't tell me my God ain't good. Don't talk to me about your problems and you start, tell, so you start talking to me about how good God is. I double-dog dare you to take your problems to him and say, here we are, Father. We believe you. We believe your word is true and dare him to come through. Breakthrough, Acts chapter 16. Y'all all heard the story. Starting in verse 16, 16, 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her master's much profit by fortune telling. The girl followed Paul as, and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. This, she was not honoring them. She was mocking them. They proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. But Paul became greatly annoyed. It's okay to get annoyed sometimes, Pastor Eric. Turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. Verse 19, and our masters saw that their hope of profit was gone. And they seized Paul and Silas, drugged them to the marketplace, and had them beat. Verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened. Father, we come before you. We thank you for this word. We thank you that it is a word of hope and breakthrough in our lives. Father, we could seem like everything is all together, but we all know that there are still times when lives are, are broken on the inside, when there's something missing, when our hopes and dreams even sometimes have become altered and changed because they don't seem like they'll ever come to pass. But dear God, I pray that tonight is the night of the greatest breakthrough in our lives. Here's something that's happened. Paul and Silas are sitting there and this woman, this girl begins to mock them and yell at them. And it goes on for a couple days and finally he says, woman, that's enough. Sometimes you need to, you need to address your distractions you need to address that, those things that are trying to distract you from the callings of God upon your life. We are all called to be ministers of Jesus Christ. We are all called to accomplish and share the gospel in our workplace, in our schools, in our homes, wherever we may go with our neighbors across the street. We are all called to do it. And so often distractions come by those around us. And there's nothing wrong. It's, it's sometimes you've just got to be bold enough to stand up and say, you know what, not any longer. Paul said, I have a mission and you are hindering that mission. I have faith in action and you are hindering that action. And he called her out right then and, and cast out that spirit. I remember many years ago in the other building, we have so many memories of that, of that other building there. That's where Chris and I got married. And, and our, our child, Asher, was dedicated there. Uh, it was so wonderful. And, and I remember... Asher was, had been dealing with ear infections like a lot of small children do. And he was been, he'd been plagued with them. And the doctors had finally said, we need to get uh, tubes put in. And I remember the night Daniel Plowman had come to preach. 
and we're sitting there, and Asher's in the nursery, and, the, and two, three days later, we were scheduled to go get tubes put in his ears. So we are sitting there, and, uh, and all of a sudden, he spoke out. He says, you know what? There's somebody with reoccurring infections, and tonight they're healed. Man, we grabbed that by faith. You know, we didn't know. He didn't say specifically, Asher Boney, he's healed. He just said a word. Distractions come to try to prevent you from listening to the word of God or speaking the word of God. And I remember we got home that day, and then we started talking. Chris, we're scheduled. We had this doctor's appointment. It had taken us almost two months to get into to see the doctor to get it done. Two days later, we're scheduled to show up at 6 o'clock at the hospital to take my son in there to get tubes. It's a simple procedure. The only problem was we've been praying that our children would never have a scalpel touch their skin. We've been praying that from the time he, before he was ever born, and so this was contradictory in our hearts, and we're, what do we do? And I remember making the phone call to my parents, and I love my parents. They're good, godly people. But I said, I, we're thinking about not taking him. Oh, son, you'd have thought I would thrown him to the alligators or something. Man, they went to, they went to yelling at me, and, and, and are you crazy, Scott? Don't you? Yeah, I understand faith. I believe in faith, but don't do that to that baby. Don't do, he needs to stop those infections. It's going to harm him in the future. Don't do it. And we finally, Crystal and I had to come together, and we said, that's enough. We believe God. You know that we did not take him to get those tubes. And for the next two and a half years, he never had another single ear infection. Don't tell me, don't tell me that faith doesn't work. Until you've walked in my shoes and, 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 and wept at night over a child that couldn't sleep. Until you get a word from God and see the miracle come to fruition. Don't talk to me that my God is not good. So he rebukes the, the demon out of the girl. Then he gets there and he says, he says that they, they, they get angry at him. The people around get angry and said, these men are exceedingly troubled to our city. See, your gifts and your callings by God, the things that are going to promote you, the things that are going to bring you to uh, your happiness and your greatest joy, when you stand up in faith, there will be those that hate it. There will be those that mock you. There will be those that take notice. Great faith always causes controversy. Excellence always causes ridicule. Because people hate it when someone will dare to believe God when they have chosen not to. And when they stop believing God, they expect you to do the exact same thing. Don't let them take you off your faith. Don't let them steal that word from God from your heart. Because the moment you let them steal the word, you've lost the word. There's something about those naysayers. I love this. It says that they put them in the innermost prison. Not just the prison. Now, these were not the murderers. These were not the thieves. These were not the, the, the I mean, they, they, these are guys, they just walked around talking, and they put them in the innermost prison. Then they shackled them inside the innermost prison. See, they, they, they did not just take them to a place that would try to hinder them. They tried to destroy them. 
You may have something going on in your life that it feels like it is destroying you from the inside out or from the outside in. See, your greatest victories will come out of your greatest battles. David didn't get recognized until he put a stone through the giant's head. Huh? Your greatest victories will come out of your greatest battles. King Asa is remembered because he took an army out against the largest mentioned army in the Bible, uh, an Ethiopian army. But out of the great, the great battle come the greatest victories. Yeah. Don't be afraid of those battles. See, we're often afraid of the battle when all actuality we should see it as the greatest opportunity that lies before us. But so often we find ourselves out of hope and out of despair. Your troubles may be greater than you can ever see out of. But God is greater than that. I remember we were in the middle of, uh, Chris and I basically hating each other. We were, it was bad. Uh, Would hardly be able to even say that we were walking by faith or that we were, I was a man of God anymore, that she was a woman of God. It was, it was at that point we were just, it was bad. And I remember getting the phone call that day. The phone on the call that says, I'm taking Riley to the emergency room. I, I'm not, she didn't ask me any questions. She didn't ask me what, I, what she should do. She says, I'm taking her to the emergency room. I'll be at the hospital when you get back. What, 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 what's going on? She's out. bye, I'm gone. I, I'm going to the hospital. That's where I'll be. I'm an hour and a half out still. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what, what, what's going on? I'm freaking out. And, and, she, and all I get out of her is she's lethargic. I'm going to the emergency room. I remember pulling into that hospital. My heart is beating 100 miles an hour, and I feel like that, that the weight of the world is upon me. Everything in our marriage is upset. Everything around me that I knew that I'd stood on that was steadfast in my life was turned upside down. My ministry was in turmoil. My life was just dissipating. My, everything about me was gone, it felt like. And now I get the phone call that my daughter had been taken to the emergency room. We walked in, and they, the doctor comes in just a few minutes later. Crystal says, she's, I couldn't get her to wake up. She just laid on the couch. She was out. I don't know what was going on. She'd look at me, but she'd close her eyes back. I don't know what's going on. And she's frantic and crying, and I'm crying. I'm a big sissy. I don't like things to be hurting on people, especially my baby girl. And the doctor walks in and says, I got good news. We know what's wrong with your daughter. Wow. Already? Oh, yeah. It, it was actually a simple diagnosis, Scott. Um, your daughter is a full-blown diabetic. Um, excuse me? Riley is two years old. She is a full-blown diabetic. We have found blood, uh, sugar in her urine, which is a, is a positive sign that she is a diabetic. It's not a problem because we're going to be able to get her with some shots on a regular basis. She'll, be, she'll live a, a halfway normal life. She'll be okay. And I said, I, I appreciate that, but could you leave for a few minutes? And, and I wish I could say that the man of God inside of me rose up, but it really wasn't. It was the Spirit of God that came upon me because at that moment, the man of God wasn't even able to, to think this way. And we're sitting there, the four of us. We're, we're not in unity, but we're in desperation, it seemed like. 
But I believe when the Bible talks about in Romans that the gifts of the Spirit that you can access, and one of those gifts of the Spirit is the gift of faith. I believe the gift of faith came upon me at that moment. And Riley was laying in that bed, and I thought, how, dear God, shot for the rest of her life? That is no way to live. And I laid my hands on her. And the Spirit of God came upon me, and I began to pray over her. And Crystal grabbed me by the hand, and she laid her hands on her, and she began to pray over her. Asher's playing over in the corner, doesn't even know what to do. He's just sitting there trying to stay out of trouble. And we said, in the name of Jesus, this diagnosis is, is inaccurate. She is healed of God. This is not appropriate. This will not be accepted. But by the stripes of Jesus, she is healed. And then the doctor came back in. Actually, the nurse came back in. And, and, and within, within five minutes, Riley had gained conscience again. Riley had started moving around. She'd asked for something to drink. She started playing in the floor with a little ball. And the nurse comes walking in. She goes, what's, what's going on? Oh, they must have given her a shot already. They must have already given her a shot. She goes to get the clipboard. And, and I said, no, ma'am, she's not had a shot. Well, something's wrong. Something's wrong. They're getting the, uh, the ambulance now to take you to Children's Hospital in Dallas because they need to treat her there for four or five days. They'll, they'll, they'll take her in there. They'll teach you how to give her the shots. I said, ma'am, we're leaving. And she laughed at me. And then she got aggravated at me because I told her again, we're leaving. She said, and, and they go get the doctor. And I said, listen, I appreciate it, but we're, we're, gonna, we're going home. He said, Scott, you don't understand. If she goes into diabetic shock, she may die. I said, I'll tell you what, I'm a fair man, Pastor Eric. I'm a fair man. I said, I'll give you one day, 24 hours from this moment, and we leave. And you give her a clean bill of health. And they said, well, she's going to go, it's going to kick back in and just, it's going to kick back in. Am I lying apart? No, okay. And they put her in the hospital. They poke her with all kind of needles, and that made me want to punch them in the face. I ain't going to lie. felt like Paul kick you, go ninja on you. And they, all through the night, they kept pricking her finger and poking her and checking blood sugar and checking her and checking her and checking her. Oh, she's got an infection as well and checking her and giving her. And we're going to get medicine, but we want to make sure that we get the right kind of antibiotics. So we're not going to give her antibiotics until we get figured out what kind of infection she has. And uh, we're like, whatever, she's leaving. And, uh, and the next morning, he comes in. He goes, he walks in late, like 1030. He walks in, he goes, well, um, her, it, so far, the, um, uh, I'm like, come on, doctor, spit it out. You're a smart man, 15 years of school, you can figure this, speak to me. Well, we, we couldn't find, it hasn't acted up yet, but it will. And I said, I'm leaving. He says, no, please, Scott, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Please stay, give me one more night, and if, and if it doesn't happen, I promise you I'll give you the clean bill of health and walk you out the door myself. Okay. And for another 24 hours, they pricked her and poked her and prodded her and to the point where I was ready to kick them all in the face. And the next morning, we get up. And about 10 o'clock that morning, the doctor walks in and says, I don't have an answer. You're free to go. I said, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> You're not getting off that easy. Now, you told me she, had, she was a full-blown diabetic. 
You said that there, was, there wasn't a possibility. You told me that if there was sugar in their urine, it is a, is a fat. Is that what you told me? Yes. Was there sugar in her urine? Yes. Is she a diabetic? Not that I know of. I said, you can release me now. And I picked up my daughter, and we walked out of there 25 minutes later. See, no matter, no matter how great your dungeon feels, no matter how great the weight upon your shoulders is, my God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. Without faith, is it impossible to please God? For he who believes that he, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What are you believing for today? What is that weight that is hampering you? What is that that is keeping you from walking in the fullness of God? Right now, today, let's lay it aside and say, by all that is holy, my God is on my side. Therefore, there is nothing that shall take me down again. Mom, have mercy. And then it gets to my favorite part of the story, Casey. I love this part of the story. Pastor Eric, I wish I could say that I'm, I'm super smart and I found this on my own, but today the Lord told me to look at something and it, and it came to me, so i got to give him credit. It says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, But at midnight, praying and singing hymns, Listen, if you've got problems in your life, turn off the TV. Get, get, get in the closet. Stop talking to your girlfriend about your problems and start talking to your, to your problems about your God. Okay, whatever it is, you've got to do it. You got, if you want extraordinary faith, you've got to be prepared to do extraordinary warfare in the Spirit. Come on, somebody. Somebody's going to get a revelation tonight. They're going to change some things in their life. It's going, to re- it's going to change their life forever. But it says this. They were praying and singing hymns. What they were actually doing were singing hymns called Hala. Hala, the same place we get the word hallelujah. Hala. It comes out of Psalms 113 through 118. It was a regular hymn that they sang. It was this group of hymns they sang when they were in distress or trouble. Listen to this. Uh, uh, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. These are what they're saying. These are the words that are coming out of their mouth. This is the song that is coming out of their heart. You may not feel like praising God, but if you got to muster up everything inside of you, Break it down and say, you know what? I refuse to believe the circumstances. I'm going to start talking faith. I'm going to start speaking what I can't even see because that is in the essence where I find my greatest victory. Psalms chapter 113 said, from the rising of the sun to its going down. Could you imagine that darkness around them and that's the words coming out of their mouth. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory above the heavens. Verse 7 of chapter 114 Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord. Oh, verse 9 of chapter 115. Oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. I can imagine Paul saying, come on, son. I know it doesn't feel like it right at this moment, but we're going to sing of oh, oh, holy God, oh, merciful God. We're going to sing about a Savior that, that is going to do great and mighty things. It may look bleak on the outside, but on the inside there's something greater than that which is on the outside. 
The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. They weren't just singing, oh, oh, mercy me. No, what they were saying was, oh, merciful God. You have never forgotten us. You've never forsaken us. You are our song and our salvation. Listen, when you, when you feel like that dungeon has surrounded you and the chains are too heavy to break, I dare you to let the word of God come forth. Let the word of God rise out of your soul. Force it in if you have to. Force it in. I tell my college kids, listen, don't come to me with your problems until you come to me with your scripture. I do not let them come to me with their problems unless they come to me with their scripture. The first two times I help them, I say, oh, you've got financial problems? Let me give you one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? Huh? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I'll give them two times. After that, they don't come to me with their problems until they come to me with their scripture. I can't, I can't, I can't keep get, uh, tagging them along. At some point in time, you got to grow up and man up and start to put on your, your big boy pants or your big girl pants, get into the Scripture and start letting the Word of God change your life. Mm. Verse 27. The jailer, thinking the prisoners had escaped, drew his sword, but Paul. The jailer, thinking that the prisoners had escaped, drew out his sword. I found this very interesting because he had no control over the earthquake. He had no control over the, what was happening. He wasn't even there at the moment. If he had been sitting there when the earthquake happened, he would have got up. He would have known right then that they were there. He was off the premises. He was not even there, had no responsibility other than the fact that he knew that he was ultimately responsible. And he comes running in. He thinks that they're all gone. He pulls out a sword. He's getting ready to fall on it, commit suicide right there in that moment. I wonder what his children were thinking if they had known that their father was that close to death. And Paul cry, calls out to him. He says, son, we've we gone nowhere. And he runs in and says, how do I get saved? See, you want to see great miracles in your life? Start letting your little miracles help others. See, so often we get caught up with our, wanting our miracles so that we, we feel better about ourselves. Thinking that if we, well, Lord, we want a house because we need a house to have a bigger house. When all actually, what we started doing was saying, Lord, we're thankful for where we're at. But when something else comes along, that means we can put more college kids in there. We can feed more college kids. We can disciple more college kids. It's not about us. It's not about us having something bigger, better, or nicer. But it's about doing the work of God. Start letting your miracles help someone else. When you get a financial miracle, don't suck it into yourself. Come on, somebody. This is, whoa, 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 but God blessed me. That's right. God has called you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. I got healed. Well, why don't you go out and start praying for some sick folks then? I got a young man in my, our ministry that Crystal and I hold dear to our hearts. His name is Logan Torrance. One day you'll hear of this young man. I have a feeling. I met this young man 
uh, about five months ago. He was a fraternity guy. He was, first time I met him, actually, he was at a football game. He was, uh, had on his, the colors for the lines are green and yellow. He had on his yellow pants at his fraternity party at the football game with a, with a beer in his hand. That's who he was. His girlfriend came to the movement, got hooked up with Crystal. Crystal Boney started a Bible study in a, in a, a, out of the movement in a coffee shop and said, you know what, I'm just going to have coffee with these girls and love on them. I'm not going to try to teach them some eschatology. I'm not going to try to take them through revelation. I'm going to love on them. For f- five weeks, for five weeks, all she would say is, hey, listen, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And this girl started coming, this sorority girl that started coming. She's a model. She's, she's wonderful. She thinks, you know, had the whole world in front of her. She has so many options, yet she found, found something in, the, in my wife that she was different than everybody else. All the other relationships, she found true friendship. So she started coming to the movement. Finally, she drug her boyfriend there. Drug her boyfriend there. And, and, and. A couple days later, she drug him to a Bible study at our house. We heard he was coming, and, and you know what? Sometimes the Lord just says, you know, do something nice. So Crystal cooked cupcakes for him because it was his birthday. What we didn't know at the time was that uh, Logan lived with his grandmother. His father had no job. Um, his mother had abandoned him when he was three. What we barely knew about him was that he only had one hand because his other hand, the circulation had been cut off in his mother's womb when the, when the umbilical cord wrapped around it. So he only has one half a finger on one hand, and, and, and that's it. What we didn't know about Logan was that uh, as a sophomore in high school, right after the relationship with his mother had been restored, she decides after being clean for many years to go have a beer one night goes home and it reacts with her body because it wasn't, her body wasn't used to it. She vomited in her sleep and she died. And he was, she was taken from him. And we met Logan and, and we didn't know any of this. We just saw a young college kid. And when we found him, we just took what good things that God had done for us and started giving them away. That young man has got filled with the Holy Ghost. That young man started serving Jesus. That young man decided that it wasn't enough to serve Jesus because he was so excited about what God has done. So he started a Bible study at his college. That young man decided that it wasn't enough that for, to just have a Bible study. He decided that he wanted to pray for other sick people that had gone through trials and traumas in their life. And so he birthed an idea to go into the hospitals to pray for the, for the, the little kids that have cancer, that are sick. And he's birthed that out of him. Nothing that Crystal and I did. We didn't give him any ideas. We just sat back and just saying, listen, God loves you. You're, you're awesome, man. Praise God. And next thing you know, he's, he is changing lives way farther than we could have ever imagined. Well, Scott, you lost your job. You got fired for no good reason. They shouldn't have brought you out there. That may be so, but God is still good enough to turn it all around. 
God didn't put us in that situation no longer, no more than he put Paul and Silas in that situation, but he didn't either forget us either. See, God didn't put you in problems, but he hadn't forgot you either. Your life should be about affecting others. It's not just yourself. It's not just about you getting out of the prison. It's about you taking the prison out of all those around you. Listen, I know some of you have got problems way bigger than I, I, Crystal and I ever had. But I'm here to tell you, God can use a boat to deliver Noah. He can deliver you. God can deliver Moses from a knife as an infant. God can deliver you. God can deliver the children of Israel through the Red Sea. God can deliver you. God can deliver a, a, a fortified city to Joshua. God can deliver you. If God can deliver a giant into David's hand with one small stone, God can deliver you. No matter what problem you've got going on in your life, no matter what it is affecting and infecting, God is bigger than that. He that is on the inside of you is greater than he that is in the world. Tonight, I'm here to tell you that tonight is your night of breakthrough. Listen, I don't know what it is. I'm not going to sit here and describe it, but I'm telling you tonight, tonight is a night of breakthrough if you'll dare to believe it. Just like when that word came forth about Asher, we had to grab it by faith. And if you'll grab this by faith, I'm telling you, your life will never be the same. During worship, the Lord showed me a vision of this church. And I didn't know what it meant, but thankfully I have Google. Y'all thought I was kidding. I ain't, look, right here, see Google? Google likes me. And I didn't know if I was just going to tell you, Pastor Eric, but can I tell the whole church? Do you mind? I'm sitting there doing worship, and my eyes are closed, and I see your, your church, and I see above your church, it's like a blue flame. And, and I thought the, the thing that caught my interest was not the fire, but was the color, the blue, the blue color. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, that's, you know, purple is the glory. I don't, I don't know. You know, red is the blood. White is the redemption. What is the, why blue? And I... You know, like I said, Jesus talks to me sometimes. And he said, Google it. I said, okay. So I Googled it. You know what's funny about the, the color blue when it comes to fire? See, red is the coolest of the fires. White gets a little hotter. But if you really want to do something, blue is the hottest of the flames. See, where you sit now is the igniter. And that around you is, is going to begin to catch on fire out of this place. And that blue flame, when it starts, it seems so small. But it goes in all directions. It's not, it's not the law of multiplication. The law of multiplication is two times two is four. But it goes in all directions. And I think that's for you tonight. See, your breakthrough is not about you. 
Your breakthrough is not about you. Your breakthrough is about all those lost people. It's about all those hurting people. It's about every teenager that is thinking about suicide right here and right now, at this very moment, sitting in some bedroom within a mile away that is thinking about committing suicide. It's for that person. Tonight is your night of breakthrough. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what's going on. But I do know this. God sent this almost bald college pastor from South Louisiana here to tell you that he loves you and tonight is your night. He's holding nothing back. Somebody's having issues with their car. Financial issues with your car. Either you can't fix it or they're about to take it. God is telling you tonight is your night. Somebody's got a relationship that the spouse just lost their, their, their passion for Jesus. And you've been thinking about it. You've noticed it. You hadn't even said anything, but you know it. And you're ready for a change. Tonight is your night. Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Tonight is your night. Listen, if you would say, Scott, I, I need a breakthrough. I'm not, I, I, maybe, maybe you just need a little something. But I'm, there are some people in here tonight that need a breakthrough in their lives. You've probably come up here and had it prayed for before, and I appreciate that. And my prayers are no different, but I think that tonight there's an anointing here. Pastor Eric talked about it during, earlier when he talked about the praise of and it confounding your enemy. There's also something that happened when the children of Israel walked around Jericho and they shouted with praise. Their enemy didn't get confused. It got destroyed right before them. Tonight is your night of breakthrough. If that's you, listen, I, I don't know you. I don't know what's going on, but God does. If that's you right now, I think you just need to come up front. Dare to say, I am believing God tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Can we worship Jesus for just a minute? You see, their breakthrough is your breakthrough. See, it's not just about their breakthrough. It's about your breakthrough. 
Because see, the body is called to be healthy. And where one is hurting, then we all should hurt. Where one is missing, we're all missing. What if tonight the body got healthy right here in this building? Pastor, this is your flock. Come pray for them. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. If you would like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.